It starts with the gut. It ends with the gut. It's in your gut. Gut Talks. I'm Christian Batter, and you're listening to Gut Talks. That's double G U double T. Hi, everyone. I'm Maria, and welcome to season three of Gut Talks, double G U double T, a podcast about business, design, and gut feelings. We release a new episode every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And this is the new twist of season three. I started Gut Talks a couple of years ago to educate, spread some karma on the board, connect, reconnect, or learn from awesome entrepreneurs, industry leaders, and investors. I feel we're growing by the day, thanks to your feedback and everyone who's been on the show. By the way, there are no sponsors, but a like, a share, a comment, and hitting the subscribe button would mean a lot. Now let's get started. Christian Vatter runs Relevance, a marketing consultancy company. He has a background in psychology and works at the intersection of spaces, branding, and service design. He has a growing interest in large-scale spaces like cities, and it can start with an airport. Christian and I met back in 2015 in Berlin, and an article he shared where he contributed to the redesign of an airport terminal got us back in touch. So it was back to spaces, which is where he started his journey. Here we go. Welcome, Christian. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on Gut Talk. So we met at the Service Experience Camp. So hello to anyone who attended or any of the organizers, if anyone's and like ends up listening to that. And you made a post on LinkedIn recently, and I thought that would be interesting just to connect again and talk about what you've been up to because you have a background in psychology and you're in the whole space of uh, branding, like brand strategy, customer experience, marketing, you're, you're in, in that realm and you work with spaces also. So I think we're going to touch on all of this, but before we get into that, that's, um, the new kind of not twist, but I, I like to know about the people behind, not just, you know, talk about what we do because we can, we will get into that obviously, but I want to know who's Christian. Like, who was Christian as a kid or a child? Like, what is it that led you to what you're doing today? I was always very curious as a child. I was always into, I guess, into science. I'm German. We had a, a, a nice little series of books for kids or, say, older kids, which is called Was ist was? What is what? And they always had topics like, of course, the typical dinosaurs. But also, I don't know, geology or, you know, like how the world's, you know, um, in terms of geography came, came about and things like that. So that really interested me. And also, I think worth to mention is my, uh, my little um, detective box that I had as a child, you know, uh, collecting fingerprints, uh, playing Sherlock Holmes. So these things always fascinated me. And maybe another stream here uh, that's interesting. I, I kind of always desired or wanted to be as a child. I wanted to be a, a movie director, actually, you know, to direct stories and kind of create them in a way so that they are experienceable. And now, uh, many years later, we are here and uh, I'm directing experiences and do this with a well scientific uh foundation and with lots of user research where uh, Mr. Sherlock Holmes also gets his part. (laughs) 
Cool. Do you have like a fancy profile picture, like a Sherlocky style? I don't actually. I don't. Oh, <laughs> but I should guy, right? having yeah. a pipe and a and the little funny hat. <laughs> so that was you as uh, you know a kid with your aspirations. You you said you're like kind of directing experiences right now. I like the way you put that together. What is it that got you into psychology? I think I wanted to understand like what's, I don't know, what's behind people. How do people, the things they do and and, and, and how do they do them? So um, I was actually never interested in clinical psychology, in therapy or anything like that. So I remember maybe around, I think 17, there was a I don't know, a program on TV and it said uh, advertising psychologist. And I'm like, what is that? That sounds interesting. And so um, I, after some uh, very short, uh, very brief uh, period of doing economics, I straight went to uh, psychology and felt very much home with that. So I, I always like to explain to people, so what's the difference? Like as a, as a clinical uh, psychologist, you always try to help one person to, you know, maybe, you know, lead a better life. And my approach actually is, I don't know the people personally that I help, but I'm, I, I was always fascinated by that, maybe a difficult term, but like the mass psychology thing. So it's like you do something and it, it helps a lot of people that you don't know, that you don't have personal contact. So I'm not a coach. I'm not a trainer. I'm not a, a therapist, but through, um, through my strategies and say design direction, I help bring about solutions that help a lot of people at the same time and maybe a twist on that. So I kind of started with liking all that social psychology and usability and all these things. And then during my studies, I had the chance to, to encounter a topic which was called architectural psychology or environmental psychology. And I found that so absolutely fascinating because it is basically the UX design for the built environment. But the difference is in, in psychology, you have one person or you have a small group and it's always about them, what that, you know, the interaction between them or the thoughts, the world inside a person. But with architectural psychology, suddenly this, the setting where it all happens comes into that. And usually in psychology, it doesn't really play a role. So it becomes a, a truly systemic approach with the one person, the group setting and all the interaction with where this happens, with the environment around it. And that was so extremely fascinating to me that I really wanted to work in that field. And I made my way to Australia and worked for a company called The People for Places and Spaces. And that was uh, Penny, my boss, my former boss there. She got me by by writing, hey, why don't you want to come to us? We just transformed Sydney Airport to the most enjoyable airport of the world. She was always big words, um, but that was exactly my, like the things I wanted to do. But then life happened and things changed. So I worked there for a while, but then I came back to, to Germany and there was nothing like that to be done here. So I turned to France. Cool. So can we go back a bit to Australia? Yeah. <laughs> what was the approach there? What was like really eye-opening for you? I'm asking this also because I have a background in interior architecture and like product design, product like as in physical, so not just digital. And I don't know if I would say the missing piece, but when I started working in that field, I was like, something's missing like there is a key element of maybe the aspect of design maybe 
that's also linked to what I was exposed to. I don't know, but I felt something was missing as in why, you know, I need more than this, not just to do something that is great because the whole core of design in general is not about aesthetics or anything like that. That comes after, right? But then sometimes when you go into the real work environment, when it's much about like, you know, being fast and making money quickly as we work with businesses, but also homeowners or whatever you're designing, you have, and you don't always get paid for the reflection and the research part, which is also a struggle in big companies when you work on businesses and digital products and whatever. So my question here for you is, how was it? What was eye-opening? What did you discover? What did you want to bring back home? So eye-opening was the whole process. I mean, I, I know what you're talking about. I mean, often the design of, of built environments is either by engineers, by technicians, uh, or it's by architects who have a very uh, artistic background. So it's all about surfaces and design in the classical sense, but not so much the function. So I was I felt well equipped with all my knowledge from university, but the eye opener was my was the very say empathic approach that my my former boss had. Penny, she was um, absolutely well thrilled about helping people. She came from a background I think it was called occupational therapy. It's something also quite different, but it deals with people and kind of readapting to different environments more in the in a small sense. So Australia is a bit like, at least at that time, was a bit like Scandinavia, very humanistic in a way. And so there were a lot of projects for the city of Melbourne and like really applying my knowledge in and, and using all that, that scientific, freshly gained knowledge in a, in, 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 for real life problems of how to revitalize urban environments or city uh, quarters or how to create public spaces that really work. That was super, super thrilling. And just having the opportunity and finding like-minded people who um, who also approach the built environment from a humanistic perspective, from a human-centered perspective, and looking at functionality and improving quality of life. I think maybe that was the big mantra I took from there. Uh, she always called it quality of life is what we are creating. And that really that really thrilled me and that really fascinated me. And doing a proper proper research, understanding people, uh, observing people, like all the kind of the, say, the, the multitude of, of approaches to, uh, to human experience and behavior that often actually comes from outsiders because it's not so much, you know, rooted in your little slice of worldview that you have and you only do, I don't know, quantitative interviews and click tests online, but she approached it very openly. And she always had a camera with her and did uh, slides actually back then, like the little, you know, things for the slideshow then for the projector and like documenting, uh, you know, the world and how the world affects people. I do that nowadays still a lot because, uh, you know, if you see it, it's such a big evidence actually to people. It's like you can explain situations and and you see it yourself. Yeah. So that was truly truly fascinating i want to just link what you're, you're saying here to a previous podcast actually with nina and jane where we talked about research mm -hmm. um, and how they were doing things 20 years ago that are now kind of applied and used in the design process and beyond where there are like research companies and one thing i highlighted is you know getting people to go out and when i say people it can be students or employees or you know owners of 
large, small, medium organizations, it doesn't matter. It takes lots of guts to get out and have your camera or just your eyes and your lips and, and, and your brain and just talk to people and see what's happening. Not just being stuck behind like the computer and expect that everything will be out there because there are there is so much to learn from the real world, right? Yes. To work on the quality <laughs> of life, as you mentioned it. I, I just want to give a shout out to Penny here. It starts with the gut. It ends with the gut. It's in your gut. Gut Talks. This is the end of this episode of this segment with Christian Batter. Thanks for listening and watch out for the next one.